This the remix. It's always great to have the support of the Raider fans, and we're sorry we let them down, but uh, we cannot come out and uh, take that many punches in the first round. The locker room has been my entire life. That's all I've ever looked at. When I was a young coach, I said, you know, when I'd hear conversations among coaching staff, and I would always say, you know, there's only one thing that matters in this whole facility or organization, and that's the locker room. You know, how we build it, how we treat it, how we earn their trust. That goes back to the culture of excellence, I call it around here, is how do we make sure we give them everything possible. When I hear our players would have to go out and get sports performance, you know, you know we should do this all right here for them. But we've earned their trust in that respect. I know that for a fact. The fact that I'd be became a distraction. I've got to earn their trust back from that. Shove it in. I don't believe that's in my court. I'm do, we're going to do the best, but you know this, Jeff, as well as anyone, that the leaders on our team are going to make that decision. It depends how much trust you have built up with them, how we structure everything this week and focus on winning that game. I'm going to be as extremely clear as I can. Our staff is working their tails off. The ownership of this team is with the players. Whacking that thing around. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. The ownership of the team is with the players. Just unbelievable. Urban Meyer just saying, yep, how are you going to lead us out of this problem? Well, it's not me. Look at Trevor Lawrence over there. <laughs> I guess 0-4. Can't win with that guy. Trevor, how long have you been with your girlfriend? Yeah. Can't win. Um, all right, so big news in the NFL this morning is that the Raiders, excuse me, the Raiders, the Patriots, are moving on from Stefan Gilmore. Uh, they are going to release him, though there are some reports that they could potentially trade him before they officially end up releasing him. But he's not going to be a Patriot anymore. They could not agree on a contract restructure that would allow him or allow the Patriots to stay under the cap with him on the roster. He uh, started the season injured. He is eligible to come off the pup list starting in week six. So he can't play this week, but the following week he would be able to play for if he was still with the Patriots, the Patriots, or whatever team ends up signing or trading for him. Uh, we are talking about a very good cornerback. He won the rookie of the year as a cornerback. He's one of like five corners to ever win rookie of the year. Uh, the Raiders cornerback situation is not looking good. Casey Hayward had some cramps, left the game uh, on Monday. They had Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen both leave the game and not come back on Monday as well. How seriously should the Raiders be considering either trading for or trying to sign Stefan Gilbert? I think you have to make the call, but I think a lot of people made the call this morning. Uh, a couple stories said it allows them $5.8 million in, in in space in the cap because there's so much in the uh, up on the cap because people are trying to, before you figure out who would trade for him, I think the question this morning was, why would you do this? Why would you release him? I know he's been hurt, I know, but this is the Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. It wasn't that long ago where the guy was the best defensive player in the league. So... Don't you have to make a call like Deshaun Watson, like others? I mean, uh, in the past, we've talked about the Raiders, uh, Aaron Rodgers. These are all calls you have to make. It might yep. end in like two seconds, but uh, I can you imagine the amount of teams who are probably calling and at least feeling them out? It's like, now, why did you do this? And how's his health? And what are we talking about here? What What's he worth? So, Josina Anderson reported that he is going to want $15 million. And Gilmore is to sign. Yes. Hmm. That's uh, gonna eliminate most of the teams yes. from being that's able to that, sign That's him. gonna eliminate most of the teams that called this morning. <laughs> yes, because you can you can work some money around. You can find some space. A lot of teams are gonna have a hard time finding fifteen million dollars because a lot of teams have already restructured contracts to create space from right before the season right. started. That includes the Raiders. So 
if if he ends up getting $15 million, I would have to imagine the Raiders don't have a legitimate shot at getting that done. Uh, just because I, I don't think they have... I don't think they have the caps. Right. And to make another 10, 12 million. In <laughs> I'll find some space, cuts. Hold on. Um, is going to be pretty difficult because a lot of the guys, they carry dead money. If you cut them right now, like yeah. uh, Derek Carr is probably the, the, the best option. If you need, if you said right now, Hey, you got to create $15 million in cap space. Derek Carr is probably the best option. Well, to did you see that picture it. when they were rushing him? <laughs> so, but you know, cutting Derek Carr, I maybe Mariota would create some space if you got rid of him. But even him, I think he carries some dead weight or dead cap hits. So even that might not be enough. So if it's 15 million, I can't imagine the Raiders have a legitimate shot. If that comes down and he signs for like nine or 10, then you're talking. Then the Raiders might have a legitimate shot to actually get this done. Everyone's saying the Packers this morning, they have 7 million in cap space and they need a lot of help in the secondary. Yeah. So 7 million in cap space is better than a lot of teams. Yeah. And so if you're Stefan Gilmore right now, granted, depending on how much money you want, that might be the ultimate deciding factor. If one team's willing to pay you 16 million or something, even if they're not a Super Bowl contender, you might go there. But if we assume that he kind of has his pick of, hey, these teams can pay you close to what you want, would he really even consider coming to the Raiders? Over some of the other teams we mentioned? Because like, the other teams we mentioned are the Packers, right. Chiefs, and Buccaneers. Right. So like no. If, if all, if all if four of those teams him. were offering the same amount, no. is he even considering no. coming here? No. Those are three teams that have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Right. So I don't know that the Raiders have a legit right. shot, even though... It's great timing. A great cornerback is available sure. when you have a very big need potentially. Because John Gruden yesterday didn't give any specifics, but he said they are worried about some long-term injuries with some of the guys that left the game, which they had two cornerbacks leave the game. So it could be Mullen, could be Arnett. If they've got some serious injuries there, it's perfect timing. You sign Stephon Gilmore. Granted, you got to go this week without him, but then week six... Stephon Gilmore could be your starting cornerback. You'd have Gilmore and Hayward. You might have one of the best corner duos in the league if you put those two out there. But I just don't know that the Raiders have a legit spot shot based on how much money he might want and the other teams that are interested. Why would he pick the Raiders? I mean, are you surprised at this? That the Patriots released yeah, him? I mean, I know he started on the pup list and he had surgery, but we're, like I said, we're talking less than two years ago. We were the defensive player of the year. Right. So I guess we don't know really on the injury. There, so I guess we don't really know that. The injury that. and the Patriots wanting a restructure so that they could still stay under the cap. That part of it doesn't surprise me that the Patriots ultimately release him. What does look very shocking is if you look at the Patriots offseason as a whole and how they got to a point where they don't have enough cap space, like they signed two tight ends. They signed yeah. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. and Hunter Henry. They spent more money than anybody this offseason. They brought back Trent Brown. Like they made a lot of signings where when you look at the big picture, Stephon Gilmore's better. Stephon Gilmore's making a much bigger impact than the John U. Smith, Hunter Henry combo. Like just take one of those guys or even Trent Brown, who's been hurt again and not playing very much. Like in the big picture, they don't look like they did a very good job of spending their money because now Stefan Gilmore's gone. Right. And they spent a whole bunch of money. If you just take one of those players out, they might have enough money for Stefan Gilmore and there's no issue now. I think they call and I think it ends quickly. It probably already has. If the, if this, I if hope they, they've already they, called. Well, they have to get a deal done by I think it was eight p.m. Eastern today. Uh, if they're so, trading, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, let me ask, what, what's he worth on the open market? Well, so the report this morning was the Patriots have already tried to trade him and didn't get an offer. Um, 
and now they're trying now they basically now they basically said hey we're going to release him in hopes that somebody will come along and say hey right. so nobody else can sign him and we get him we'll we'll make a trade with you um if nobody really made any offers before that, I that's kind of surprising. I have to imagine we're talking about like a mid round pick, like we're and we're a pick swap too. Like we're talking about, oh, you well, give the Patriots a fourth or a fifth and send I mean, back a seventh. Come on, Johnny sent something back. <laughs> he probably opens the conversation with not even what, what do he you wants. want, but yeah, exactly. What what am I sending back to? We won't even get into what you know. I want. I want. Uh, he calls. He calls Belichick, and before even mentioning Gilmore, he's like, all right, so I'm sending you a seventh. Yes, exactly. What else happens in this trade? <laughs> How does he have so many sixth and sevenths to send in his trades? Know. That's the other thing. He's, he's full of sixth and sevenths for all these things. Genuinely, had they not paid Colt Miller a year early and yep. not gotten rid of Rodney Hudson, they'd have like... They'd have like twenty five million dollars in cap space. The, the, we talked about it all off season. It's just, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for people that won't create dead money. It's basically it doesn't exist. It's Derek it's, Carr. It's Zay Jones, like for like a million or something. Yeah, it's yeah. Zay Jones and Casey Hayward. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Like, what, I'll tell you what. What if he comes out today? Because well, Trayvon Mullen was carted off with his leg wrap. Yeah. No, that's not a good sign. Groins. I'm sorry, and Damon Arnett. Uh, considering whatever grade it is or strain, that's like weeks. The groins aren't very good usually. There you go. The groins aren't very good. So that could be weeks. I think that's who he was talking about. And if those two are who he's talking about, they're in some major trouble because, like you and I said before the show, there was a time where Denzel Perryman was caught on uh, Keenan Allen. That didn't look very good. It was like, thank God uh, for the Raiders' sake, Herbert overthrew the pass because it's like, that's not a good cover right there. So they, so Casey Hayward, assuming he's fine because. Apparently, it was just cramps is, right. is what we got from Casey Hayward. Assuming he's fine, you've got one cornerback spot short up, and he's been great this year. But then if Mullen and Arnett are out, what are we talking about? Nate Hobbs has been a good slot corner this year. Is he any good moving to the outside? Um, Amik Robertson's the backup slot corner. Is he Boy. any good moving to the outside? Probably not. And then what? Roderick Teamer, who's technically a backup safety. Like they they signed, I can't remember the guys. They signed a guy off the Chargers practice squad. There, there were safeties and offensive linemen in the game the other night that we all looked at each other. Who's that guy? Never heard of that guy. That and that and the third string quarterback before the game treating about not being vaccinated or vaccinations. That was oh, the best Kyle one. Slaughter. That was the best one. We're on our way to the game and that comes across Twitter. And immediately no, immediately the report was a backup quarterback for the Raiders. I'm like thinking. Nate Peterman's before the game talking about this? What is he doing? And they're like, they said the name of the quarterback, and Adam and I looked at each other. I was like, I have no idea who that person is. So, Kyle, for those of you who don't know, Kyle Slaughter. Did you uh, know it right away? No, I did not. I did, had no idea. I didn't. I was like, Peterman tweeted something? Yes, I thought it was Peterman. Uh, but no, it was Kyle Slaughter who's on the practice squad. Uh, it was some somebody tweeted a picture of, like, uh, Anthony Fauci talking about, yes. like, the reduced risk of hospitalizations and deaths uh, if you are vaccinated. And Kyle Slaughter just quote tweeted it with like a laughing emoji right. to basically make fun of it. And then Kyle Slaughter deleted that tweet, I don't know, within minutes, I know, shortly afterwards, because he started to get, you know, ripped for it. And he quickly deleted it because he's a practice squad quarterback. And if you say anything, I mean, you're gone. You also, don't have room for error. Also, he's on Team Crush the Virus. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, who did you think you were signing with? I mean, Gruden has admitted he barely knows anything about some of his running backs. I have no, I have no uh, qualm that he knew nothing about this person. 
He could even. I, there's no chance he even knew his name. Like, Coach, uh, 10 minutes before kickoff, we've had a tweet from the backup. What's Mariota doing? Well, it's not him. That's oh, Kyle. what Peter? Who? What, what? What the Peter man do? Yeah, exactly. What the Peter man do? He, Kyle. He was like, I haven't gotten a chance to meet Peyton Barber. Yeah, and Peyton Barber ran for like a hundred and ten yeah, yards. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> but Kyle Slaughter's out there tweeting stuff. Is that is that Gruden's idea of a joke? Like he's oh he's so new to the team. I even haven't met him. Or is there like? That? No, I think Tyler's right. I think he just okay. says stuff off the top of his head, most of yeah. which is probably true. Yeah, he just <laughs> talks. It's that's what's that's what we love about John yeah. Gruden. He has no talks. idea what's coming next. He just keeps going. He doesn't shut up. Sometimes it's great, but also when you lose a game and you're complaining about the locker room and where it is, yeah, that's not the best look. Like yeah, it's not why you lost. It's because your offensive line couldn't find a pass rusher the entire <laughs> game. That's where the maze was. Coming up next. Sam and Ash join the show. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Why not? She's a stripper. Life sued her and she lost. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Happy birthday, Ash. Hey, there she is. What did Rocky get you? What did Rocky get? Rocky got two new bow ties and a new leash. Well, he so got presents? Why did he get presents? It's your birthday. It's his world, guys. So we're just all living in it. Oh, wait. Okay. I do have an important question. When it is Rocky's birthday, how do you celebrate? Oh, oh, that is a great question. Take him to In-N-Out for a oh, puppy patty. It's his man. favorite thing. Oh, no. They have those? I got to yeah. do that. Well, exactly. I normally take. I normally get like vanilla ice cream for my dogs is what oh, we normally do. Yeah. He's a big fan of milkshakes. He sees Man. the little dome. He sees a domed lid, like from a frappuccino or any milkshake, and he is on it like white on rice. You guys are really yeah. great, your dogs. I, I mix in some cheese with the dry food, and she goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, good for you guys. Shakes, burgers, come on. I know. Yeah. Wait, wait. Whose birthday is better, Rocky's or Sam's? Definitely Rocky's. <laughs> um, my, you know, you get to a certain age. Let me tell you, birthdays become a non-event. Uh, but Rocky, he's uh, he's good. He's my favorite Rocky birthday story, though, is my parents. One time they were babysitting him, and they decided they were celebrating with hot dogs. So they ate hot dogs for <laughs> oh. my for Rocky's birthday. And for the listeners, Rocky is a wiener dog, so it was fitting. <laughs> All right, so. We want to talk about Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer's had quite the eventful week here. A video of him getting danced on at a bar by a woman <laughs> and then a second video of him uh, grabbing yeah. the woman. Yeah, lingering <laughs> fingers from Urban Meyer. Uh, he's now dealing with a whole lot of uh, crap within his organization and whether or not the players actually trust him or respect him. And if you're not... He's going to lose his job over this. But I'm curious from from like any sort of legal standpoint or Urban Meyer getting fired, like how how much of any of this is actually like a fireable offense for Urban Meyer? Well, I mean, it it, it oh. <laughs> well, first of all, the team is 0 and 4. 
So that <laughs> performance alone is bad. Um, but also, you know, it's up to the owner and the contract, and usually there's morality clauses in a contract. So it's it's kind of one of those things that if the team's no longer buying into him and he can't lead them, then he's not fit for the position. Or it's or it's an opportunity, right, to get rid of him for this reason, even though they may have performance issues with him and other gripes. Um, but I, it's, it's really funny how nine seconds of video can totally ruin your whole career. Uh, and, and, and that's the world we live in. So, okay. On the contract part of this, because coaches like football coaches, college or pro, they, they get fired all the time, but they have buyouts when they get fired just simply for losing. But if you get fired, the phrase they use is for cause for doing something outside of just having a bad team. The teams don't have to pay your buyout. Would this be something that could fall into that category of four cause where Jacksonville could fire him and not have to pay any sort of well, buyout? They're going to argue it's for cause, and he's going to argue it's not. So you're absolutely right. They're going to likely end up in an arbitration over that settlement. It, yeah, I, I, I though, I, the, when they start using phrases like, we're not sure if the players can trust him anymore, I mean, the players, I don't know. I'm thinking the players probably look at this video and go, man, eh, whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily matter to them, but they're, the team is already using language that sets up their case for terminating him, that he no longer is effective in his role because he's, you know, diminished his standing and likely triggers that morality clause that Ashley's mentioning. So I, I see them already laying groundwork for a termination. I'm just waiting for the third and fourth videos, Tyler. Because you know, Ed, you know, there's you know, there's three or four. Out have there. you have you guys watched? Do you remember the movie Mighty Ducks or D two? Yes, sure. Okay, you remember Coach Bombay, Team USA? Yeah. He had to walk out with the burning barrel and his, and he's like, "This is a distraction," and he burns it and he like rallies his team, and it was a turning point. Urban needs to have that moment. Yeah. Oh, what does great. he do though? Can't what? use the barrel trick. He's got to do something else. I don't know. Well, who was, who was it? Uh, who was the coach that buried a football a couple of years ago and was like, "This is all of our problems. We're burying a football." Jared's on it. Like literally, brought a Jared's shovel, dug up yeah. a hole, buried a football. I think he Ted got Lasso. Fired. Yeah, I think they, that coach oh. got fired like a year later after that. So <laughs> might not always work. But also, Urban Meyer maybe wants to get fired, and you know, USC's looking <laughs> for. A, yes. USC's got a nice head coaching position open, and I've always thought that's where he would end up. Uh, believe us when we say that USC can definitely explain away this when the Urban Meyer becomes available. <laughs> and as you know this, they will take five minutes in that press conference, and then they'll say we have one of the greatest college coaches ever. He's now our coach. Yeah, Coney they basically needs- learned from modern day. Oh, the <laughs> shot oh, across ouch, the ouch. Wow. Deserve. Hey, it's hard being number one every year. <laughs> Coney Sperano. Was the interim oh. coach? Oh, he was the interim. Yes, yeah, he, he was footballs. not retained. Yeah, bury the footballs. <laughs> um, another story in sports that uh, is a pretty big deal, at least within the NWSL. Not it's not a big league in this country, so maybe didn't get the headlines that it probably deserved. But the the entire league shut down. They did not play games this weekend because there have been a lot of allegations about players being mistreated. A lot of it centers around the former coach of the North Carolina courage, Paul Riley, who uh, has been accused of sexual coercion, basically using his spot of influence to uh, force a player to have sex with him. 
He's gone. The commissioner of the entire league has resigned. The owner of the Washington Spirit, a completely separate team, because they've had some uh, problems as well. He has stepped down as CEO, and now the players are actually asking for him to sell the team. Uh, there's a lot going on here, and I'm curious what you guys think because it's it's not one person, it's not one issue. Like this has come off as a league-wide issue for the NWSL where there's multiple people with multiple issues with how they're treating and handling the players. Yeah, it just sounds like a total failure amongst the leadership and organizations and taking care of their players. I mean, this is, it's really sad to hear all of these issues that are plaguing a league that, you know, based on the U.S. women's national team's success, that should actually draw a lot of local and national uh, fans, and it's not, and for whatever reason, and then to find out all of these controversies, I really hope that they can reorganize, figure it out, and do what's best for the players and what's because whatever's best for the players will result in a great product for the fans. And that's what will ultimately rise women's sports, professional sports in the country. Uh, We probably don't know everything, and what we do know is very, very bad, as Tyler just said and explained it. Do you foresee lawsuits coming on this? Absolutely. There's going to be, the, the lawyers are probably, are already circling, uh, and, and, but that's, but as they should, I mean, there, there has to be accountability and clearly what you, you see in a situation like this is that the, that the system that is supposed to protect the players failed. And when it fails, uh, players, individuals need to seek justice through the courts and it's, and, and it's an appropriate solution. So I, I would hope, I would hope and trust that these players who've been wronged are, um, are talking and are, are in, in pursuit of good representation and, and, and get, their, get their claims heard. I'm curious what you guys think about sort of if you, if you take the broader look at this of just sort of employees versus their employers and like the fearfulness to speak up because obviously this has been going on for a while. We've got very serious allegations of a player being coerced into having sex with her coach. And we don't hear anything about it for a while until, oh, wow, this is a problem across the league. I'm curious, just your general perspective of employees sort of being afraid to go after their employer. Well, it's the, yeah, it's a David and Goliath situation. But unlike um, any other industry, like a, a lawyer, like in a law, a giant law firm, they can go into another law firm within their community here. This is a league. This is a limited spot. Like these players only have access to this one opportunity. And so I think that led to part of the silencing. They didn't, they were even of a smaller scale of the David and Goliath than any other traditional employee and employer relationship. And Ashley's right. But even where you've got a job that makes a lot of money, there's a fear of speaking out and there's a fear of leaving a job that is lucrative. And, and an example I have that's in the news right now is we're representing a young man who was a, a bartender at, at the lodge at a, at a local restaurant and the, he got robbed. And after the robbery, his employers went to him and said, pay back the money from the robbery. <laughs> it wasn't his fault at all. And it, it's unbelievable. And as we're, we're getting into this case, we're finding that this one employer has lots and lots of very bad situations like this occurring, but they've gotten away with it for years. 
precisely to your point, they did not, you know, people didn't want to speak up. They recognized Las Vegas is a small town where, you know, you, you, if you, if you, you know, complain about one boss, you get blackballed in the industry. And, uh, and, and there's, and also, you know, this bartending jobs are, are lucrative because of tips. And so it, there was a, there's a kind of a toxic brew of reasons for why people didn't come forward earlier, but now the dam is breaking and, and it's, it's really a, uh, I think it's going to be it's very rewarding to be part of it. And in that sense, finally, um, because you talked about the lawsuits, I would assume everyone's named in a lawsuit. The the courage, the teams, and the NWSL is are they is the league more legally responsible here? Or would they say that specific teams are for having hired a guy like Paul Riley? Well, you would definitely name as many people in it that are responsible. So if you're complaining to your team and the league for the sexual. Uh, harassment allegations by your coach, um, you're absolutely going to file a lawsuit against all of those parties because they failed you. And as a result of their failure, you were continuously hurt. So you would absolutely name the league and the team and the coach, the individual. It is SalmonAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234 is the phone number. I hope you guys treat every day like it's Rocky's birthday. Darn right. <laughs> we all should. It's a life motto. <laughs> Get to in and out. Get to in and out. It's open. Get over there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Take care. Puppy Patty. That's a good call. I need to go get Had one Had you of ever heard of it? Dogs. Yes, but oh, I've, you I've never actually taken my dog to get one. We normally just do ice cream. The closest I get is the uh, puppy bagel at Einstein's. Oh, I didn't know. She oh, likes they do those. have a counter out she there. She likes yeah, those. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, those are good. Puppy bagel at Einstein. Like I said, usually Wait, have you never done the uh, the puppuccino at Starbucks? Absolutely. Just the cup of whipped cream? A ton yeah. of them. Yeah, puppuccinos are those nice. Those are great, too. Those are great, too. You guys are weird. Dogs are great, Jared. Way better than kids. Coming up next. I have a freaks. dog. <laughs> Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Bischoff's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. You know what's the worst part about that imaging for Bischoff's Briefs is I've totally done something like that? Oh, when you're supposed to do a certain amount and then you do like 100. No, more. no, not that part of it. The lying at the end. Oh. Where you ask, how many have you done? And it's like 47, uh, 51. I don't know why I lied to you. And you had no idea why. Because for some reason in your mind, you're like, well, it doesn't sound as bad if I say I don't I, sound as much of a lunatic yes, when I say I 47, 47 instead of 51. Right. I've absolutely done that before. I literally, for the station, had to do draft profiles, like write up draft profiles for when we did draft, when we did an actual draft coverage. And I was supposed to do, like, the top 32 prospects. I did 68. <laughs> but you only told them 49. Well, I only sent them, like, like I, had, I only sent them the ones that I was really sure about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bischoff's briefs today. We're going to take a look at the uh, Raiders and Mike Mayock and the drafting oh ability. So, they lose to the Chargers. And it's a game where the offensive line uh, does not play well. Derek Carr does not play well. There is no run game. 
to speak of defensively. They had a lot of injuries. They couldn't stop Austin Eckler on the ground. Uh, Justin Herbert, while he didn't have a massive yardage game, was very efficient throwing the ball. There's a lot of uh, people to blame. There's a lot of places to point for blame in that game. But what I found interesting is I think we can effectively blame the Raiders drafting for why they lost that game to the Chargers. Because if you look at their just their first-round picks, Alex Leatherwood, still ranked as the lowest pro football focus tackle in the league. He got called for a false start. He's the one that got burned by Bosa on the strip sack. And if John Simpson wasn't the greatest fumbly recovering uh, guard in the league, then that's a strip sack. And the chargers might have the ball at like the 20 yard line. Cleveland Furrell committed a face mask on a tackle for loss. He almost made a really good play, but he committed a face mask. I'm not sure if he played another snap the entire game. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember him doing ever. Uh, Damon Arnett was not any good and hurt himself making a tackle yet again. He did that twice last year, by the way, where he hurt himself making a tackle. Jonathan Abram, uh, probably his worst game of the year. He kind of had a somewhat of a blown coverage on one of the Chargers touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs averaged 3.1 yards per carry. He actually caught five passes, but only turned that into 17 yards because he couldn't, he couldn't break tackles. He'd catch the ball in the flats with one man to beat and he couldn't do it. At a fourth down, they threw it to him in the flats. Had one man to beat for three yards. Could not do it. Uh, Henry Ruggs did catch a 51-yard pass. Henry Ruggs did draw a 45-yard personal foul, or pass interference, I should say. So, like, Henry Ruggs had a decent game. Colton Miller has been fine. But if you go through their first-round picks, they were terrible in that game against the Chargers. And these are first-round picks. This is not, oh, you know, you had a fourth-round pick. It's not like Nate Hobbs was out there as some mid-round pick that got burned. These are your first-round picks that were not productive. These are your first round picks that actively contributed to the Raiders losing that game. Now, the Raiders' poor drafting has been a big reason why they have been bad the last two years. They get off to a 3-0 and start, and you look around and you say, okay, why is that? A lot of the free agent signings they've made have actually been good. Casey Hayward has been awesome. That's been a terrific free agent signing. Yannick Ngakwe has been very good. Another good free agent signing. Like Those are probably the two best free agent signings the Raiders have made since Gruden took over. But the problem is, is that with those two, the Raiders get two. They have like one of the top three corners in football right now in Casey Hayward. Yannick Ngakwe is one of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL right now through, through four weeks. But we don't view the Raiders as a Super Bowl contender. Those are the types of signings that should be making the Raiders a Super Bowl contender. Instead, those signings have made them a playoff contender. And the reason is, almost none of these first-round draft picks are actually good. Imagine if Cleland Furl was a legitimate top-five pick. Imagine if Damon Arnett was an awesome player in the secondary. Imagine if Alex Leatherwood was like an... Like, take Rashawn Slater. There were... The two offensive tackles taken in the teens, Rashawn Slater, and I think it was four picks later, the Raiders took Alex Leatherwood. Rashawn Slater hasn't allowed a sack this year. Rashawn Slater is one of the five highest graded by PFF tackles in football this year. He has been awesome. The Raiders took an offensive tackle for like four picks later, and he's the worst tackle in the game. Imagine if they had Rashawn Slater. We might not be talking about these offensive line issues. They might have a competent run game, but because they have whiffed so many times in the first round, Great free agent signings take the Raiders from a seven or eight win team to maybe being a playoff team instead of, hey, this has made you a legitimate contender to win this league. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, the one that really stands out to me again, and I know people are going to say Arnett, but Leatherwood. 
Leatherwood stands out as just a complete bust at this point in terms of the pick that they got him at. And when you you say others who are in the draft, that really, really shines the light. Right. I mean, Ruggs, okay, I think Ruggs is getting better. Uh, last year we said, oh, boy, look at all the other receivers taken, the Justin Jeffersons, um, the Jerry Judys, uh, the C.D. Lambs. But now you can see Henry Ruggs, you know, getting better and better each week. We talked about it at the start of the show. Look, I'm not saying two, three years down the road we won't say Alex Leatherwood is a good player, but he's so bad right now, it just shines the light on what a mispick this was. So bad. Because here's – and it all goes back to almost all of these guys are players the Raiders overdrafted. Almost yep, all of these right. guys are on draft day. They were viewed as reaches, and they continue to reach. Alex Leatherwood was not viewed as a first-round pick. Cleveland Furrow was not viewed as a top-five pick, right? Uh, who else we got? Henry Ruggs was not viewed as the number-one receiver, though he was the top three, but he wasn't viewed as the number-one guy. Like, all of these guys, Arnett was viewed as a third-round pick, and they took him in the first round. All of these guys, they reached on. And they continue to reach in the first round and continue to whiff. It would be one thing, even if they were hitting on like half of them, it would be one thing if they were hitting on some of these. It would be one thing if Cleveland Furled, yep, they took him fourth overall and everybody was wrong, but John Gruden and Mike Mayock nailed it, right? That hasn't happened. Like the best pick in the first round that's worked out is Colton Miller and Colton Miller's good, but it's not like they nailed Colton Miller to where, oh, that's one of the best left tackles in football. He's good. But it's not like he's some unbelievable tackle that you can't get anywhere else. Like, no, they really just extended it. him when they didn't have to. Right, and like even Josh Jacobs, like it was a running back in the first round, which is largely viewed as a not smart way to use your first round picks. But after his rookie year, has he been that? He's good? been fine. Like he, Peyton Barber's got the most yards of any right. running back in a game this year, and that's a guy they just signed off the street with so, turf though. Yeah, with turf though. <laughs> so. It's just, if you look at their drafting, <laughs> I don't know what that's the drafting, I think you can point to as a big reason why they couldn't win that game against the Chargers, and also as a big reason why the conversations about this team are, can they get to the playoffs, and not, are they a, play, but, a Super Bowl contender? But every GM and head coach in this league have egos. They all have egos. Owners, they're all egomaniacs. Why do you think consistently they think they're smarter than everyone in the room? Is it just that their egos are bigger? Yeah. It I has it to is. be. I mean, There's you, not one GM in this league and coach who doesn't think they know everything. Whatever it is that they identify about these players, whatever it is about what Alex Leatherwood, is. right, and they say, we like blank about Alex Leatherwood, they think that's it. They think yeah. that's the reason he's going to be good, even though nobody else agrees, right? And, like, for Henry Ruggs, it's obvious to point to the speed. And it's like, why Why did they take Henry Ruggs? No, he's he was, fast. He was the fastest one, right. even if they, you know, can say, oh, he's a great receiver at other things. You took him because he's the fastest one, right? right? Like, that's why, and that's that's the that's the flaw. Like the their their biggest flaw as a front office is they don't understand where the rest of the league uh, values, values the guys players. they're picking. They don't they don't understand it. And Mike Mike Max talked about it where he said, "Well, we understand we got to understand where guys would fall on other people's draft boards." But they continue to display every year that they do not understand that they don't have a good comprehension. Of where every no. where all these players are valued by the rest of the league. I'll give you the devil's advocate, and I agree with everything you've said so far. Should they care what the league thinks? When you continue to fail, yes. Okay. Uh, be, I I, right. I wanted to know your answer to that because they would say this is our team. Why so, do I care what the Cowboys think of Damon Arnett? So I think one of probably the best things to do if you're an NFL team and you're drafting, you cannot fall in love with a certain player, and you almost have to tear off players. Like you have to have a tier of okay. We're top picking, three, top four, we're top picking five. at 14, right. right? And we need an offensive tackle, right? 
here's the tier one of offensive tackles. Right. We think these three guys are the best three offensive picks. tackles. Yes. If any one of those three fall to us, we're happy taking them, right? And then here's tier two. All of these guys are second round picks, and there's four or five of them. You might love one of them. You might think one of those guys is awesome, right? But he's in tier two, and that doesn't mean you take him in round right. one. That right. means you let you you don't take him. You take a better player there, and then you draft in round two. Hey, this, the guy might fall to you in two. Right, and if he doesn't, the key is if he doesn't, somebody else in that tier will. There will be another sure. offensive tackle in that tier. You just can't fall in love with the yeah. one guy because then you overdraft him. Where if they had not fallen in love with Alex Leatherwood, they don't take him in the first round. Maybe they take a better tackle, or maybe they just take a player at a different position. They take that a helps corner. Them. Right. And now they did get Trayvon Merrigan in the second round, who was viewed as a first round talent and, right. and has been solid this year. He hasn't been amazing, it's but good. he's been solid. Right. And that's that's good. That's good value. But that they fall in love with certain players. They don't care what their value is to the rest of the league, and they just take them. They just take them wherever yeah. and it continues to blow up in their face. Like they have not really hit on one of these guys that they love and nobody else seems to love. Am I the only one that is constantly confused by the fact that when Mayock was on TV, he would rank these players like correctly. Like he would have them in the correct way. Oh, he was evaluating all 32 teams. Yes. And now all of a sudden he can't do that anymore. And it's like, just I mean, do what you did on TV. Then do you think it's more Gruden? That's the yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I more think Gruden it's anyway. Yeah, I do. Coming up next. We got tickets to give away right now, so not next. Right now, four tickets to UNLV and Utah State Saturday, October 16th, out at Allegiant Stadium. Marcus Arreo going for his first career win at UNLV. We've got four tickets for you, 702-364-1100. That's 702-364-1100. We will take caller number seven to go to UNLV, Utah State. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. They didn't make the rules. But, you know, I guess to do certain stuff, you know, to work and, and all that, I guess you don't own your body. <laughs> you know, that's what it comes down to. If you want to work in society today, then... I guess they made the rules of what goes in your body and what you do. And you know, hopefully there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, stronger than me and keep fighting and, you know, stand for what they believe and you know, hopefully it works out. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to David. He won four tickets to go out to UNLV Utah State. Jared, who was that? That was Andrew Wiggins playing uh, the uh, victim. Yes. Yes. Um... Actually, as an NBA player, there is a uh, a lot of rules about what you can and cannot put into your body already, regardless of whether there's a vaccine. So he has not had control over what goes in his body for a long time. But this is what's different for him. But he did yeah. get the vaccine so he can play. Yeah. Because he wasn't about to eat that fine for every time he missed a game like Kyrie Irving might. We'll see if Kyrie does. Um, a lot of dough. You missed this. I need to make sure you know this as well. Uh, one of my Bischoff's briefs earlier this week about UNLV football. Uh, but I officially, and we'll continue with this for the next week and a half, uh, officially predicted UNLV will beat Utah State. Marcus Arroyo okay. will get his first win of the season in his okay. next game. He Who will, will be the quarterback? Uh, I do not have that prediction for you. <laughs> I, I just, I, I will, I can answer that. It will be 
multiple quarterbacks. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Three. Three different guys will be the quarterback. But that's my prediction. They will be Utah State. My main logic is that Utah State uh, might actually have a worse defense than UNLV. Uh, they are both teams are bottom three in points allowed, yards allowed, yards per play allowed, and Utah State's actually ranked lower than UNLV in SP plus, uh, which is just an efficiency ranking for the defensive side of the ball. Okay, so that's my prediction. That's the one that's coming against Utah State in ten days. Well, however far away we are, kind of pursue them on a roll. Then are we talking? Multiple no, wins? there will not oh. be. There will not be any rolling. Uh, <laughs> There will not be any rolling. Uh, there will be it one, will be though. a gentleman's one. Yes, okay. there will be a one. Okay. Uh, and then we'll go from there. See All what right. happens. You next. go week to week from there. We'll go week to week because we'll go, we're I going week to week on the quarterback as well. I think your prediction is great, and I think you might be right, but and I think there might be more. The Mountain West, some of these teams, we thought, oh, no chance there. I don't know if there's not any chance there anymore. San Jose State, have they showed you much to where you don't believe that? And I think that game's here. To where they couldn't beat San Jose State here, New Mexico. New Mexico's on the road at San Diego State this week. I think they're getting like nineteen. Yeah, New Mexico is not very good. Utah State, Utah State, New Mexico are the two other bad teams in the right. Mountain West. Those are the other bad teams down there with UNLV. Probably not as low as UNLV, but they're down there with them. San Jose State still uh, again, the quarterback's still good, but haven't seen a ton. Gone on, but yeah, they're not. It's certainly not San Jose State last year where no. you would have said there's no chance there's no UNLV chance UNLV's UNLV's even beat them within 20 points of that team. So yeah, there's there's a chance. Some again, the key in the Mountain West is there's not very many good teams in the conference. So any one of these teams can play poorly, and UNLV's got a shot. Sure, absolutely. Like any one of these teams can just lay an egg. Even you, Nevada, who looks great. Do UNLV against Texas San Antonio and uh, what was the second game? Arizona Fresno, State, Fresno State, and Fresno State, and even parts of Arizona State can beat teams in the Mountain West. Right. Yep. If that team shows up, yeah. do you think if they beat Utah State that when they hand him the ball in the locker room for his first win, he takes the sunglasses off? No, or does he put them on? No, they does see, he, put he them puts on? them on. I he has he them off them and he puts them on. Yeah, he has he them gets, off and he puts them yeah, on for the pitcher. That's right. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> that would be sunglasses and doors guy. I think I, that'd be actually great. I want him to walk up to, do they still do podium? Like, uh Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's at a table when it's at Allegiant yeah. Stadium with a mic there. On the road, it's just wherever it's there's space. It's a folding space. chair, I yeah, think. It's just, uh, I, I saw him at one where game. It's wherever it's wherever folding chair. Of, was in the background <laughs> on a folding chair. Well, I think the last one was just like mugshot against the concrete <laughs> wall outside the locker room. In Texas, San Antonio? Yeah, it was just here. Yeah, whatever. We don't have anywhere for <laughs> you to where, go. It's wherever Gramala and Cofield can corner him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gramala, pincer, pincer. All right, Ed, end of the show. The Dodgers winning the night. Well, I have to. I have to pick them six four. You don't have to. No, You're I like will. the biggest no, defeatist I've ever no, heard. I don't want to go negative. I I say six four Dodgers. Six four. Yeah. I don't think the Cardinals score four runs. Okay. I, I hope you're is, right. I think this is a, a dominant display by the Los Angeles Dodgers. 12 to 2. Oh, come on. Wainwright's got no stuff. shot. Wainwright's going to get stuff. knocked out. 12 2 Dodgers. Oh. Dodgers. One nothing, pool host in the bottom of the night. Oh my god, now, I would, would hate me. that. Now, I would, at that point, be passed out from uh, nervousness. But there'd be no dots on the screen though if it's one nothing. Very few. <laughs> no, very few he, dots. he would be freaking out. You Just... laugh, but I I pause when dots go on the screen, and then I fast forward and I close my eyes. I, I fast forward before you know on, on Directv you can go one yep. two three four. I get to four to go closey. And I close my eyes, and then I'll open my eyes when I know it's at the end and something has happened, and I go, my eyes go right to the score. 
It's Scherzer. There won't be any dots. All right, we'll see. You'll be fine. You Twelve think to I'm a one. Bit odd with the dots. Is is Pools retiring, or is he playing? Is he resigning? I hope he resigns. Because that guy's of, good for the team. Part I'm of me you. hopes the Cardinals end his career. 